0: Everyone, Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, the big news this week, sending shockwaves through daytime, is Richard Bergie's dismissal from Y&R and Guiding Light favorite, and Mara Levinsky favorite, Robert Newman, quickly hired as a replacement for Ashland. Now, there's a lot to unpack here to review. Richard was cast last March in what was meant to be a short-term role, I believe, and it turned into a much bigger storyline. The show paired Victoria with Ashlyn and married them off in a splashy new Italian palazzo set. We named Ashlyn best new character in our best and worst issue, and it seemed like he had made a very solid place for himself in Genoa City. So cut to Sunday, January 9th, when Richard posted a video saying he was leaving the show. At the time, he didn't offer any details, which led to online speculation. So two days later, he set the record straight, explaining that he had inadvertently violated the show's COVID protocols and was let go. So it seems he contracted COVID around Christmas, Quarantined for five days along with the CDC guidelines and got two negative tests back before he returned to the YNR set, but their quarantine period is 10 days, so he was let go. Uh, it's definitely a shame to see him go, but if you have to recast, Robert Newman is the perfect choice. Well, to say that I concur is an understatement. You know, listen, I was really excited to see Dick Berge back on Daytime. I I got to know him a bit when he was on GH's Paul. And not only is he a really charismatic actor, but he is just a straight up cool guy. You know, he's very soulful and has great stories. And I really enjoyed my conversations with him. And I thought he brought a really interesting energy to YNR. But I am over the moon that it is Robert Newman who is taking over the role In fact, when news of his casting trickled out to our staff, uh, our photo editor emailed everyone, anyone check on Mara, which (laughs) gave me a good giggle. Uh, I would happily watch Robert Newman play the barista at Crimson Lights. So to have him assuming such a key character just makes it all the more exciting. Now, a lot of GH fans have held out hope for years now that he might end up in Port Charles as Jeff Weber, which I definitely think would have been awesome. But YNR is incredibly lucky to have him. And I am basically counting the minutes until his debut. Uh, You know, uh, Robert is one of those guys who, when I met him for the first time, my expectations were so high because he was hands down my favorite daytime actor when I was first getting really into soaps. And he was everything I had hoped he would be and more just a wonderful guy all around. And I know a lot of Guiding Light fans feel the exact same way I do, which is that it is just going to be so nice to have him back in the daytime fold. Here, here. I mean, I feel there are so many faves from New York Soaps who would be amazing additions to the West Coast shows left on the air. Mm-hmm. So I love when one of them is hired because it just brings back all the feels. Um, now, in other casting news, not only will we see Patrika Darbo back his days as Nancy, but Kevin Spiritus will also be returning as her husband, Craig. So we last saw Kevin on the Last Glass reunion on the Dual app in 2019, but he hasn't been back on the network show since 2009. And there is a big storyline planned for this duo, which I think is great. Uh, Now, GH also has some big plans for Luke's memorial, and you spoke to Jacqueline Zeman, who plays Bobby, for a preview. I did. I actually talked to her the day that Bobby found out about Luke's death on air. So I had to text her after I watched, even though we'd just been on the phone for like an hour, because I thought she did such a beautiful job in those scenes. Uh, But the memorial, which is going to air next Friday, is going to be can't miss for fans for sure, and just packed with vets. Uh, I have heard from multiple cast members who were there that Jane Elliott, who plays Tracy, really knocked the speech that Tracy makes out of the park. I mean, are we surprised? Uh, But there are going to be some surprises that take place there that we couldn't reveal in the magazine. Uh, But it's very fair to say that a rather intriguing new mystery starts to unfold that day. Uh, In our new issue, I also got to catch up with Donnell Turner, GH's Curtis, for an interview uh, all about the big changes in his character's life in this past year. The divorce from Jordan, the new romance with Portia, changing careers from PI to club owner, the introduction of Curtis's father, Marshall. So I hope that GH fans will check that out as well. Well, I know I will. Um, Now, the biggest story over on Days is the double possession, and our guest today has found himself smack in the middle of it. It's Carson Boatman, who plays Johnny DeMera, who is currently possessed. So let's get him on the line to chat about all things Salem and Satan. Hi, Carson.
1: Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? I certainly cannot complain. I'm doing pretty well.
0: That's great. We are so happy to have you on, not only because we would love to get you to know you more, but your story is pretty hot right now, to say the least. No pun intended.
1: Every line. <laughs> it's a uh, it's, it's, uh, wild ride. Yes, I bet. Well, let's start
0: with you are an Iowa native. So tell us about your childhood and your family.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, I was born in... Uh, Mason City, Iowa. Um, lived there for about the first six months of my life. And then my parents moved to a small town in the southwest corner of, of the state of Iowa called Hamburg. Um, that's kind of where I spent my early childhood. Um, it's where my grandparents are from. My dad's from there. So it was a, it was a cool, you know, kind of growing up experience. I, I was able to become very close with my both my grandma and my granddad because they lived right up the street, which is not something everybody gets to experience so i i um i feel very lucky to have been able to spend that much time with them at an early age and then uh i believe when i was in second grade we moved to des moines my parents got a job my dad got a job rather in des moines and so moved the whole family spent the rest of my you know childhood and adolescence in des moines um As far as my family, my dad's in sales and my mom is an accountant. Um, I've got a little brother and a little sister, Connor and Carly. Carly is almost 16 and Connor is 24, I believe. (laughs) I believe. (laughs) I think 25. I hope Connor's not listening. (laughs) I hope not too. (laughs) When you look
0: back at little Carson, do you see – hints that he's going to become a performer?
1: I do. And, and it's it's really funny because I didn't know, I, you know, consciously didn't know that it's what I wanted to do until a fairly, you know, uh, later, I guess, in life Till I was about 19 is when I kind of was like, you know, I, I think I really, I really like this. So I want to take a go at it. But looking back, you know, I used to be, I used to, I used to go down to my, my, so my grandmother used to be a school teacher. So she's all about like nurturing the creative side of of children, which is so, so awesome for, for, for my brother and I and my sister to have been able to kind of grow up with that kind of, um, influence. So my brother and I remember we'd be down in my grandma's basement. She'd have all kinds, she was really good at sewing. So she'd have all kinds of, um, like she'd make me a Peter Pan costume or a ninja costume. And then I'd, run upstairs and put on shows with my brother or you know play fake play the guitar I guess and sing probably sounding atrocious um for my whole family and they'd clap and yada yada uh I'd I'd run around the house pretending I was Danny Zuko and like some (laughs) black jeans and a black t-shirt sliding down the stairs um (laughs) but yeah I always did I, I loved doing that as a as a young child and then as I kind of got a little older I think I kind of realized well it's not that it's not very cool if I it's not a very cool thing if I if I'm dressing up and and uh, you know playing make-believe I'm not uh, I can't be in with the, the cool crowd if I do those types of things so I think you know just naturally I kind of went from there into sort of more interested in playing sports and you know hanging out with my friends but never ever have lost the love of of going to see movies and, and hear music and write music. Um, so I think, yeah, it's always been there. I just didn't kind of realize it until I was about 19 or 20. Mm -hmm. Well, what
0: kind of student were you?
1: A horrible one. (laughs) I would, I would not recommend, uh, any, 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 any person take advice from me when it comes to (laughs) schooling or prioritizing your time. Um, (laughs) when it comes to school i uh you know i always my my feedback was always the same um at like parent teacher conferences it was always like yeah he's he's a good kid and he's nice but he just doesn't ever do his homework uh and he doesn't seem to like school at all and that's kind of i feel like how it was you know i liked i really didn't like any class like i, I got to be honest <laughs> I hated it um I got through it barely uh and then went to a year of community college. Hated that equally as much, um, except for there, you don't have anybody making you get up and go to school every day. So I found that I was I was actually failing some classes in college, and I just didn't go. <laughs>
0: uh, That's how that works.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I had the opportunity to come out here uh, to LA. Uh, I met a, a manager and she said, "Hey, if, if you moved out to LA, we'll we'll rep you." And I said, "Sure. When do I when do I leave?"
0: Right. Okay. Well, let's let's get back into that a little bit. So, you actually had an agent somehow while you were in community
1: college. I have I have read. Yes. So, how did that come about? So, uh, I had an agent by the name of Steve Myers mm-hmm. with the Peak Agency in Des Moines, um, and you know, <laughs> I'd book random, you know cable commercials, you know, like a, a cable company or a photo shoot, you know, and make two or 300 bucks here and there just to kind of pass the time and, and make some extra cash. Um, but he hit me up and he said, Hey, we, every, every year the agency does this. Uh, we go to, we go to New York and it's a, t- it's, it's a basically a talent scouting type of thing. Um, so you know, he was like, I I would, I only ask, you know, a few people, I think you, if if it's something you want to do, you might have a good shot at it, Um, let me know, and so I went, because I didn't have anything else going on, and uh, I went, and uh, it ended up going pretty well, met a few agents and managers, ended up signing with one of the managers there, um, and moving out to LA shortly after.
0: Well, what was that transition like for you, and also, how did your parents feel? (laughs)
1: Uh, <laughs> you know, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was kind of a wake-up call. Um, uh, my parents, I think, as supportive as they are of me, never have really loved the fact that I, you know, don't have a 401k and, uh, health insurance and stuff that comes with, with, uh, with, with being an actor, um. And so, you know, they were, they were, they were weary, but they, they let me do it, which in hindsight, I probably thought they were being very negative about it um, and not supportive. But looking back from now to then, just the fact that they didn't say no, absolutely not. You're not doing that. Um, You're going to get your grades up and you're going to go work for whatever. Um, So they weren't, they weren't thrilled, but they let me do it. My dad, actually, I drove out from Iowa to L.A. with my dad. Um, And then he helped me kind of unpack into my apartment, my first apartment on my own in North Hollywood. My mom came out on a plane a couple days later, just kind of helped me get situated. And I will never forget. They were there for, I don't know, five days. And the day that they left, I just, I, I, you know, I said bye, probably, you know, smiled and waved. And then I watched him drive off. I went straight into my apartment and I, <laughs> I laid on the floor and cried for like two hours. Um, cause I was, I was like, what have I just done? I don't know anybody here really. Wow. I don't know, you know, coming from Iowa, hearing about LA, it's like, you think everybody's out to, everyone's going to rob me or mug me, you know, it's like the big city. So I didn't know any difference. So it was definitely a very, it was, it was getting thrown into the deep end of life and culture, I think. Um, so there was an adjustment period, but at the end of the day, some of you know, some of my best friends I'll, I'll have for my entire life I've met out here, whether it be an acting class or at a, at a job that I had, you know, so I'm, I'm really thankful for the experience.
0: Do you feel like you had a real idea of what it would take to try to get a foothold into the industry?
1: Again, no, not at all. Not even a little (laughs) bit. Uh, (laughs) um, You know, you hear people say it's really hard. It's really, really, really hard. It might take 10 years. It might, you know, some people don't make it till they're 50. And me, you know, 19 year old, I thought, I, you know, I I don't think I ever was an arrogant person, but I was confident in myself. And in my mind, I thought "Eh, a year and a half, two years, I'll be on a show it's going to be great. You know, I'll be a millionaire by the time I'm 25 things are, this is incredible. And I remember turning 25 and just thinking, what have I done with my life? You know, like what did I, Oh no, what did I do? It's too late now. Like, you know, I'm just, um, I've messed it all up. But, um, I think with that, I was kind of like, well, I'm here. I'm. I'm. As they say in, in uh, poker, I'm pot committed now. So I, <laughs> I kind of just gotta. I just now I can't. I can't leave the table until I. Till I hit it big. Right. Um, so I stuck it out, and and uh, lo and behold, about nine years, almost ten years into living oh. in L.A., I, I booked days. Wow.
0: Well, did you have a day job in the beginning, or several to support yourself?
1: Several. Yeah. Um oh. My first job out here was working at the front desk at the Equinox in West Hollywood uh, on Sunset. Um that was a cool job. For me it was like I could get a free gym membership. In my mind I was like, oh there's lots of directors and agents that work here. They that work out here. So I'm going to meet, you know, that was kind of in the back of my mind, but it was it was a small paycheck and a free gym membership and that's kind of all I needed at the time. Um and then I remember I was feeling really homesick. I'd been in LA for, I don't know, six or nine months. Hadn't seen my family and 4th of July rolled around and my fam, my grandpa has a, has a, has a lake house at the Lake of the Ozarks. Um, and that's kind of something that we've done every year is just go to the Ozarks and hang out with family and celebrate the 4th of July. And I asked for it off and they didn't give it to me. And I was like, ah, I'm going. Uh, so, yeah, so I went, came back to being jobless. Um, I, what happened then after that? I think I'm, I met, this sounds horrible. This sounds horrible. I met a girl and I think I just lived, like I kind of was just living with her for a while. Um, not the really. A big mooch. Yeah, not really being, I would say, overly supportive. Um as far as the finances go um that ended and then I got a job bussing tables I I I worked construction in Santa Clarita for a little while I did some bartending on the side I did some personal training on the side um I waited tables at this restaurant called Isabel it's on uh, like Fairfax in Santa Monica and then I, my, the last job I had before I booked days was probably my favorite job. I was, uh, basically a basically a private driver slash personal assistant for this architect who lives here in LA. Um, super great guy, really awesome job. And, uh, then, you know, COVID hit and lost that job and, and moved. <laughs> Sorry. All these answers are so long winded. I just want to it <laughs> ahead of time. Um, after that I moved to Nashville with my then fiance um because just it was getting so expensive to live here with no job and so moved thought you know I'm kind of done being an actor I'm I'm about to get married I got to find a better way to support you know my family that I'm about to have um this just is not panning out for me so moved to Nashville just because it was cheap. There was really no rhyme or reason, you know, just like that sounded like the, a cool place to go. Um, and then about two months in Nashville, I get a call after a couple of auditions and meetings that I booked days immediately back to, back to the <laughs> day my parents left, immediately started crying. <laughs> uh, uh, and they're like, cool, we need you in two weeks. So, after selling everything that we had and that we owned in Los Angeles uh, and driving, driving the rest to Nashville, getting a house, just unpacked about the last box. Hey, you got to be back in L.A. in two weeks. So we sold everything they only <laughs> just bought in Nashville, um, packed all the boxes back up, stuck them in a car and drove back to Los Angeles. And then I've been uh, been filming days ever since.
0: In addition to pursuing acting, music was also on your radar. So tell us about the music part of your creative pursuits and where it began.
1: Yeah. Um, so moved out to L.A. to be an actor at 19. Always, you know, enjoyed singing, liked to do it. Figured, hey, you know, if there's ever, if, there, if I ever have an audition for a show like Glee or Nashville, this could be a useful tool that I have. Um, never was it at the forefront of my mind I want to be a singer or a musician. Um, But just it kind of kept circling back. The music industry did. I'd meet someone here and and almost do something really cool and then not do it and then meet someone there and do the same thing. And then I did a cover with a friend of mine who had a decent YouTube following. And he asked if I wanted to like feature on one of the verses of this one direction song he was going to put out as a cover. So I did it not knowing that Island Records was looking at him to potentially, you know, for more more or less cast in this boy band that they were putting together called Citizen Four. Um, They happened to see that video, brought him in for an audition. While he was in the audition, they got my info from him and then gave me, I I got some random call at like eight in the morning. I was still asleep, didn't answer. Number called again, didn't answer. I thought it was, you know, because there's all those telemarketing calls that just right. show up. <laughs> um, and then I, I hear a buzz that a voicemail was left. So I pick up or I listen to the voicemail. It's like, hey, this is um, – This is uh, Sam Waters. I'm the Senior Vice President of A&R at Island Records. Uh, Yada, yada, yada. I was like, oh, my, (coughs) you know, like, (laughs) trying to, like, make my voice sound like I didn't just wake up, and I called back, and I was like, hey, what's up? Yeah, how's it going? "Um, I'm Carson. Yeah, I saw you called. Sorry, I just got back from the gym. I've just been working out. I didn't see your (laughs) – and uh, then they had me in for an audition and um, ended up getting – brought into the band and we were still looking for one more. And so I thought, well, I have a little brother who he can sing. Um, He's going to school at Iowa state right now. Kind of the same thing as me, not really, not really loving it or doing so hot. (laughs) Um, And they auditioned him, you know, over Skype and then in person. And then, you know, we both, what we thought was like the coolest thing ever ended up signing to uh, signing a, you know, a major, a, a record label, a record deal to a major record label. Um, wow. Which was cool. Um, and I don't ha- I definitely don't have any regrets, but I would say if there's one industry, I I would be very cautious to ever dive back into fully. It would be the music industry. Um, it's very, as, as is the, you know, the entire entertainment industry as a whole, but I think there was a lot of, a lot of, uh, sugarcoating and, uh, promises made that, you know, we all were kind of, you know, counting on it and didn't end up happening. And then a couple of years later we got dropped. Um, never really ended up getting paid any money, uh, and, um, or any, any real money, but, um, yeah, it just did. It didn't pan out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, kind of ended up that's, that's right after that, I started working for the the driver, but pretty much the whole time through that being, a you know, assigned act to a major label, I'm still waiting tables on the side, you know, like it, it's just not everything that it, it sounded like it was going to be, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. Cause I think it was an incredible learning experience and, uh, met a lot of people who I, who I still love and, and trust as friends and mentors to this day. But, um, that just didn't happen for us. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, I got to say, if your boy band dreams get dashed, I think it's probably good that you have never really had them to begin with. You know, (laughs) that you kind of lucked into that situation
1: in a way. That is exactly right, Mara. Um, You know, it's like any 21-year-old kid, it's like, hey, do you want to sign a record deal and be a millionaire? Uh, Yeah, I totally (laughs) do. That sounds great. More, I twist my arm. <laughs> paper. Let's let's sign it now. Um, so it's you know it it just seemed like an opportunity that couldn't be passed up. Mm-hmm. At the time, um, I certainly wouldn't have ever envisioned myself being in a boy band, though. So it it probably is for the best.
0: I listened to your single name in your phone, and it is a pop, oh, might I add. Um, thank you. And and uh, you wrote this with some, like, serious heavy hitters, including Sam yeah. Somcer, who yeah. happened to have a little bit of a hit in Lizzo's juice. Uh, like, how did you meet him and start writing with him?
1: He's been a friend for a long, long time. Um, I've known Sam for long, I don't even know, eight years, maybe, um, and cool story behind it so my I had some other friends who were in another boy band and he was kind of producing some songs for them and he and I met and wrote a couple songs together then and then kind of lost touch ran into him at a at like a Grammy party a few years later and kind of reconnected fell apart again fell 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 out of touch again and then ran into him again at a Brett Young concert at the Hollywood Bowl and he was just like hey man you know, things are starting to like do really I'm, things are starting to like really pick up for me. Like I'm working with some cool people. If, if your boy band ever doesn't work out, you know, let's try and let's try and figure something out together. And like three weeks later, we got dropped. I'm literally at, at my uh, at my manager's office at, at my manager's house. He's telling us, you know, we're in the meeting getting dropped. And I said, oh, can, can you excuse me for two seconds? I just I have to go outside for, for a minute. And middle of the meeting, I go outside, I call Sam. I'm like, hey, Sam, I'm getting dropped right now. Do you still want, do you still want to work together? Because <laughs> um, I was like, I don't want to leave this meeting without knowing I've got something else, you know, starting at least. Um, and so we, we did. We wrote We wrote a bunch of songs together and really have only released like three or four, I think. We've got a lot of really good ones. But, again, it's just – it's a lot of – especially now – being on the show, it's so much energy and and time to make a song be successful. Like you said, Mara, name in your phone. I also think it's a pretty good song, um, <laughs> but it's got I don't know maybe five hundred streams. I haven't even checked it. It's because you just have it's gonna to
0: get put, more now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I hope <laughs> so. I hope so. Um, it's just you got you have to put in and, and you got to be on TikTok now if you want to be. And I'm like I can't I can't even. I can't grasp TikTok, nor do I necessarily want to. Not bashing it; it's just not for me. It's not, mm-hmm. you know. I can barely run my Instagram. <laughs> um, I just like to. I just like to. For me, it's like music. Now is like it's just it's fun, and it would be so great if if I put a song out one day, and it that's great. I'm not going to ever try to avoid success, but um, I just don't think it's where I want to be putting all my energy right now. Mm-hmm. I'm really loving being on the show, and uh i'm I'm super happy to kind of see my acting career start to blossom and unfold, and I just want to nourish that as much as I can
0: mm-hmm. well, um on a personal front, you had only been in l a for three years when your gym trainer set you up with another one of their clients, your now wife, Juliana, so tell us about your love story
1: <laughs> I met her, yeah, I met her. Through a trainer that we both had at Crunch on Sunset and Crescent Heights, um, Layla. Uh, we both had just started at Crunch. Juliana had just moved to LA, and from what I've heard from her side, is that Layla was trying to set her up with all of the uh, like the trainer the trainer guys at the gym, um, and she wasn't really feeling it. And I guess. Um, she maybe was just finishing training me or something and Julana was coming up and we just kind of a quick, Hey, how's it going? I'm Carson. Oh, I'm Julana. You know, we both have the same trainer, yada, yada, yada. And I remember thinking, wow, she's really cute. And um, I guess Julana thought the same. And so it was very, very junior high. Uh, My next session I go in and Layla's like, Hey, come, come back to my desk for a second. I want to show you something. And she pulls up Julana's Instagram. She's like, "Hey, do you think this girl's cute?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's the girl from uh, from from last week, right?" Yeah, she's really cute. I thought she was cute. She's like, "Well, she thinks you're she thinks you're, you know, she likes you too." Um, and I was like, "Oh, she does. That's cool. That's cool. Um, does does what like? Does she want to go on a date or anything? Would she be interested in that?" And she was like, "I don't know. You'll have to ask her. Here's her number." So. I got her number and I think I texted her thinking, wow, I'm really cool. I'm super sly. I texted her uh, sushi question mark. And I, with no context, I don't even know if I told her who I was. Um, And I think she said, who is this? (laughs) I was like, it's a person from the gym. Layla gave me a number and we wanted to get, to get some sushi. Um, And then, you know, we, we just became kind of good you know we we became friends for for six or seven months, and then I remember we were like watching Game of Thrones at her place. That was kind of like a thing that, that like bonded us at the beginning. We got super into Game of Thrones and we watch it every night um, but I remember just looking like laying there next to her and looking over at her being like, "What and I was like, "What do you mean what?" She was like, "Well, I know what I'm thinking. what are you thinking and I was like verbatim, I said, okay, here's the deal, Julana. I love you. And, and she was like, oh, I love you too. And then um, from then on, we just uh, been pretty inseparable. Um, and now she's my wife and couldn't be happier about it.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. What a terribly unromantic, unadorable story. <laughs> um, uh, uh, tell us about the proposal, which I think also had a musical twist to it.
1: It did have a musical twist to it, so I called up Sam when I when I realized I wanted to propose. Um, I was actually in—I'll I'll tell you a quick story about proposing for about what led up to it. Um, I was in Nashville. It was before we moved there. It was in July of 2020, I guess. Um, I was in Nashville doing some just some writing sessions and hanging out with some friends for I don't know eight or eight or so days taking some, taking some meetings. Cause I think we had decided, okay, we want to move to Nashville soon. So I went out and tried to just kind of, I looked at some houses and took some meetings with some people and, and whatever. And I was with a buddy of mine and he was having some problems with his relationship and we we're having a, like a little fire in his backyard. And everything he would tell me, I kept coming back with a response. Well, with, with Joanna and I, we do dot, dot, dot. And I kept saying, well, with Julan and I, well, with Juliana, and I, and this works really well. And I was, and, and I'm like coming to the realization as I'm giving him advice, Oh, I should marry her. <laughs> you know, Like we should get, we, she should, she should be my wife. And, um, and so the next day I wasn't planning it, but I was getting coffee with a, with a, another buddy of mine. And I looked two doors down from where this coffee shop was in this trendy little, like the silver Lake of Nashville, if you will, um, it was a little kind of mom and pop jewelry shop. And so I went in there freshly, uh, freshly paid by the government with my $900. <laughs> and I walked in there. I said, Hey, um, I'm looking for a ring. I would like a nice ring for a good price. And they said, cool. These are some nice rings for some good prices. And I said, "Cool, that one looks good. Um, Bought it, asked, asked around to a couple of her friends to get her ring size and then called Sam because Sam lives in Nashville now. And I said, hey, I'm going to propose to Julana next next week at the Ozarks for the Fourth of July. So this must have been June. Um, Can you help me put a song together? And then at the end of the song, when the music cuts, I'm going to go into, you know, a little just a 45 to minute long speech telling her, you know, how much she means to me and kind of just cover our story together and then ask her to marry me. He was like, yeah, cool. When, when do you want to do it? Come over to the studio. We'll, we'll set up time. So I did it. Um, it was actually my mom's birthday. It was July 3rd. Um, we were at the Ozarks and I, took, I said, hey, you want to go on a walk? Let's go down on the dock for a little while. Let's just sit and watch the water. And we're kind of watching the water, watching the boats go by and I said, oh, hey, I just got a, I got a song back from Sam. I haven't heard it yet. Do you want to Do you want to take a listen and tell me what you think? And so I had, you know, I brought the, I was prepared. I had the phone and the air and the, and the headphones. And and so I said, put these in your ear and listen to this song. And she did. And, you know, three minutes goes by and she's just sitting there. I can see that she's a little, you know, confused or shocked or, or just very silent and like deadpan straight ahead. And I was like, is, is it over? Are you still? Is it over? <laughs> you know, she was like, "Yes, it's over." And So I got I got down on uh, one knee and gave her a ring, and and uh, then we started. I think my mom was like planning the wedding, like as I was proposing already. So she she had already got a jump start on that, and um, we got married about a year later, uh, July twenty third of twenty twenty one. Mm-hmm. Back in Iowa,
0: I feel. Have you and Lucas ever discussed your proposal stories? Because he has a similar one with Shelby that it took place at like her parents' cabin or something, which is very yeah. nice. We
1: um, really love Lucas and Shelby; uh, they're great.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so it was during your bachelor party that the role of Johnny started coming into play. So, mm. tell us about your casting story at Days
1: um man as i as i say as i tell all these stories out loud i realize how like random my life (laughs) has been um but it doesn't feel that way it feels like i've been like trying to do the same thing for so long so it doesn't seem random like close up but far out i'm like that's a little interesting anyway um yeah, I was in Colorado with some of my closest friends, many of whom are, are actors that I've that I've met out here or or other places. And I had booked out with my agents. Um, I'd already moved to Nashville, which my manager knew, but he said don't tell your agents that you moved to Nashville. Everything self-tapes anyway. There's no need to, you know, give them any reason to not be submitting you. Um, and so I didn't but I booked out. I said I'm going on my bachelor trip, and you know it's like 10 a.m. on a whatever day in in uh, Colorado. We were just uh, you know having some early morning libations before before going about the day, as you do on a, on a bachelor party um, or any party or any <laughs> party. Yeah. Um, so you know, feeling pretty loose, see this audition come through, I'm like, come on, like, I said, I'm here, like, I'm trying to go skiing and hang out with my friends, um, let me live, huh, let me live, Yeah, let me live, (laughs) haven't seen an audition in two months, now you send me six on my bachelor party, classic, um, no, I, my agents are great. That was,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was a great audition for the role. Yes. Frontal yeah. client.
1: Yeah. Artists <laughs> and representatives, best agency out there. So happy. I love you guys if you're listening. Um, but this audition comes through, you know, I'm, I'm mostly, mostly sober, I would say. And uh, I had, a, I had a friend, one of my best friends, Tanner Stein, who's an actor as well. And I said, Hey dude, I know it's annoying, but it's for days. And I've, I've gone in for days so many times. I've kind of built up a relationship with Marnie, the casting director, and don't want to, you know, don't want to have that relationship change or, or let her down in any way. So I'm like, I have to do this audition. We just, we have to do it before we, you know, before we do anything else. So he's like, fine, fine. I've got seven other friends in the background. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, which is exactly what you want when you're trying to do a good (laughs) self-tape. It's it's really good to have that extra impatient pressure. Um, (laughs) But, and we do it, I'm like, I'm kind of, I was a little chubby, you know. I put on, I put on, you know, 15 pounds or so, you know, at the beginning of COVID. My hair was long. I didn't shave because I didn't bring a razor on the trip. And I had, like, perfect, like, just red, but where my goggles had been,
0: light,
1: <laughs> you know, from the sun and wind. And the role said it was like incredibly handsome, 19 to 22-year-old, you know, male, open ethnicity, as, as that's what breakdowns say. And um, I, I did my slate and I was like, hey, guys, how's it going? I'm Carson. Uh, thanks for having me in again. By the way, I promise I'm super Handsome and good-looking, but just not right now. And if you, if you cast me, I, I, I promise I will be. Also, I, I have whiskers because I couldn't shave, but I'll shave. Um, and then I proceed to do the audition in the worst lighting in the cheapest Airbnb we could find. Just no sunlight. Just, just you know, those, like, just dark yellow lights just coming, just coming down overhead. And I uh, do it do it a couple times, send it in, don't hear anything for like two weeks. I was like, yeah, I'm sure that that probably wasn't my best work. I can't imagine, I wouldn't be surprised if I don't get a call back. Uh, Another week goes by, I get a call from my agent. Hey, congrats, you got a call back for days. Um, I was like, great, that's amazing. I had COVID-19 back in Nashville. Julana was in LA working on a job. So it was me and my dogs and I was sick as a dog. And Marnie, the casting director, they were like, Marnie, Marnie wants to uh, have a FaceTime with you before, like the day before your call back. She FaceTimes me. We do a quick little catch up and then she goes, okay, so I don't know. Can I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase. I don't know what the heck was wrong with your audition, but that was the worst hecking audition I've ever seen in my life. Like what, what was that? You're, you're lucky to be getting a callback, you know, <laughs> just giving it to me straight. She was like, you got a call back because somebody, I didn't even have you in the callback thing. Somebody else asked about you. So I brought you back into the pool. You're really lucky. Don't blow this tomorrow. And so I, uh, I was just, you know, I was trying to really prepare just tr- chugging water, like trying to like clear my nose because I couldn't even hardly breathe. Um, I was so sick and just my throat was all messed up. But I was like, for ten minutes on a Zoom, you can make this, you can make this work, Carson. Just make it work. So I did the audition, um, got like a, a thumbs up, and uh, then didn't hear anything for another two or three weeks. I was like, yeah, well. I definitely blew it. I blew it now. I know I did. Oh, Carson, you idiot. Um, and then my agent calls, hey, congratulations. Days liked your callback. They want you to come into the studio and do a screen test. Um, and I said, okay, cool. Adrian, thanks. By the way, I live in Nashville. Um, so it's going to be, uh, is there any way we can get me there? Because it was like in two days, they wanted me to be in the studio. And I was like, can we figure out a way to get me from Nashville to LA. And he was like, uh, yeah, sure. Let me, let me see. And then Dave was gracious enough to to fly me out and put me up for a day. Um, did the screen test on a Friday, uh, hung out in LA, saw some old friends on a Saturday, flew home Sunday, Monday morning, Marnie called, said, Hey, you have to act surprised when your agents call you, but I just wanted to be the first person to tell you, ah, it's going <laughs> to, um, you booked days. And so that was very, uh, that was very, it was a very happy emotional moment for me. Mm-hmm.
0: So I remember in, uh, your first interview in soap operaticus that you, that you cried, you know, to talk to us about what that emotion was. And I'm now misty eyed <laughs> feeling your emotion again.
1: you and me both um I'll never forget it and I it it was just a feeling of honestly just relief was the first feeling I felt more than more than excited just relief because for years now I I mean you know I had been for seven eight almost nine or so years been, you know for lack of a better term struggling financially definitely um you know, just staying, staying just enough above float to keep, you know, from going down. But never was I, you know, ever killing it in any, by any means. Um, so just the relief knowing like, wow, I don't have to be scared at the end of every month anymore because my rent's due and I don't have it. You know what I mean? Like I don't have to, I don't have to, and I can now, now Juliana doesn't have to work so much because, you know, just, just all those thoughts, uh Coming over me, and and just and then after all the kind of thoughts and feelings of relief came, feelings of like yeah, wow, I did it. I'm good enough. You know, I've been so close so many times, but no, and just the, the the triumphant thoughts of I'm good enough to be doing this. You know, kind of it justified the last nine years of struggle. Um, and then I called my parents and and then my agents called me, and it was just uh, I still i mean it's it's definitely something that changed my life um, for the absolute better mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Well, now we know that your mom is a big Days fan. So, how did she react? Not only to hear that you were even auditioning again for the show, but that you now were going to be on
1: the show and part of two pretty huge families to boot. Yeah, um, yeah, she was. She was excited. You know, the whole auditioning thing, letting her know about that. She after a couple of years, she kind of was like, anytime I'd call her about an audition as anybody would be like, yeah, cool. Great. Oh yeah. Another audition. that's great. Um, cool. So she wasn't maybe as excited about the audition, but as I started getting closer and closer, she would now, she would be like, well, what, 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 like, what's your character saying? And I was like, I don't know. It's like, it says it's very vague. And they don't want us to know But I think like his dad's like a crime guy and they don't have a good relationship and she was like oh so you're either i bet you're a Demera or maybe you're a Kyriakis, but probably a Demera." um and so she's like helping me speculate who this character is so i can get a better feel of how to how to play it when i go in for the screen test and um but i called (laughs) her i called her my her and my dad were on their first vacation together and i don't know how long um because they have a, you know, at the time a fourteen-year-old daughter that plays soccer every single day and every single weekend, so they just are always, everybody's always calling them for something, and they're on. They were in Florida, I think, and I called my mom, and <laughs> I heard my dad in the background. He goes, "Can we, can we get, can we get fifteen minutes to ourselves without one of our kids bothering us or something like that?" and I was like oh sorry to bother you I just wanted to let you know I booked I booked days and they both I think they both were kind of in shock too because they were both just very kind of deadpan like no no you didn't you did did you really you know just that and it was a it was a very it was a very funny conversation
0: Mm -hmm. that's pretty incredible okay so tell us about your first day now uh coming in to actually be a demera, as your mom predicted
1: Yes, she was correct. Um, I was very nervous. I was very, very nervous because I was thinking, you know, I'm the new guy on a show where people have been on it for 40 years. You know, they all know each other. It's, you know, I I thought for sure I was going to be like an outsider because they've had all this time to develop these, you know, on and off screen relationships with each other. And I just wanted to do a good job so that I didn't get fired. That was kind of my main thing. I, for my first couple months on the show, I was like, don't do anything to get fired. Just do a good job. Know your lines. Um, but I, I showed up and it was the total opposite. I showed up. Um, I think it, it was Lucy or Je- I think it was Jess, uh, who is one of the uh, ADs on the show she was like, Hey, Dan Fiergal wanted me to let you know, she left or he left his number up here for you. You can give him a call if, you know, he's going to be playing your dad. You can give him a call if you want to run lines or anything like that. And that immediately I was like, Oh, that was just a very, you know, it made me feel very, a lot more comfortable, a lot more like, okay, it's not so closed off. Like people are opening themselves up and, you know, at least one person is. And it turns out everybody is that way. I mean, this every single person on the show. They're, they're so incredible. Like it's so much fun. We really are all like a one big family. Um, We do things together outside of of filming. Um, We have a lot of fun while we are filming, but the first day I'm sure if I, if I went and looked back at it, I probably looked super stiff on screen. Um, I was very, very nervous, but also, you know, kind of, I think, new, I, I've been maybe not been on a show ever, really, but I've been being an actor for almost 10 years, so I had that at least to take comfort in. Like, I know, I know I know how to do it. It's just a matter of don't let the nerves overcome you.
0: Well, as Johnny, you are the son of EJ and Sammy, two very important people within the framework of Salem. So tell us what it has been like in addition to Dan, to working with Allison and Sweeney and Dan.
1: So much fun, um, Dan and I have a great time. We have, we always have a lot of fun filming. Uh, I didn't work with Allison until whew, I'd probably been on the show five or so months or so or something like that before I actually had scenes with Allison. Um, that was for me was kind of like my first day all over again because she's like <laughs> on the show. It's like she's this mythical character, you know, cause she, she, she goes away for a while, then she comes back. And when she comes back, it's the most, it's like all about that. And it's very dramatic and very important. And then she goes away and she comes back and then we're all there with her again. Um, and so I was like, man, she has she's been on the show for a long time. She's been one of the faces of the show for 30 years. Um, so there was an intimidation factor there. Um, for no reason, because she is, she was so encouraging and so sweet and so helpful as she always is through every scene. Um, I think it was just, it felt kind of surreal because I can remember seeing her on TV growing up. You know, like she, for some reason, she is, she stood out to me for some reason. Whenever I was watching it as a, as a young, as a young kid, so it was just felt very like I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here right now, but I am. So I guess I just better do this.
0: Well, uh, something fun is that you have a twin sister on the show.
1: Uh, and uh,
0: She is played by Ms. Lindsay Arnold. So tell us about your uh, off-camera dynamic with her.
1: Again, so much fun. She gives me, we give each other a hard time. I think she gives me a harder time than I give her. Um, But I love her to death. Like she's my own sister. I really do. Um, I would do anything for her. I I think she'd do anything for me and and just the, the relationship that we've been able to develop, um, over the course of this last nine months has been really, really important to me and meaningful. And I hope the same for her. Um, I remember the first scene, I think my first day I had scenes with her. Um, and immediate, like, it, she and I both talked about it, like, like right after the scene. There was just kind of, like, an immediate, sometimes you just have that connection. It's like, oh, we, we connect, you know, on some level we connect, and it's really cool.
0: hmm Well, uh, Johnny is Marlena's grandson, which puts you in the orbit of Deidre Hall, her portrayer, as well as Drake Hogeston's John, who your mom had a big crush on. So, tell us what it's yeah. like to work with the two of them.
1: A lot. You guys, you guys are... You guys are airtight. We do our homework. (laughs) Yeah, you do. (laughs) Um, You know, it's so, I'm going to start with Drake. Um, Drake is, is... I've never met another person like Drake, I don't think. He's all, and I mean this in the most respectful way, I don't want to, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, especially, especially Drake's. Drake, if you're listening, not toe stepping, but he's like, um, he's like the quintessential grandpa that everybody loves, you know, like, and that's who he is in real life. He's got so many stories and he's had the craziest life. I'm sure you guys know his story. Mm -hmm. He has had the craziest life and he's got a story for everything. And it's 20 times better than any story you've ever heard. And he's just so Committed to his work, and he's so helpful in any way that he can be. Um, the running joke around set is that Drake is one of the prop guys because we're not supposed to like—I don't know why—but we're not supposed to like. If there's a table, it has to be moved. We're not supposed to do it, probably for uh, you know liability reasons. And Drake always gets in trouble because when they're like, "Hey, can we move it?" And Drake will be like, "Oh yeah, sure," and he'll just grab it and pick it up. <laughs> And everyone's like, no, 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 Drake, stop, stop, stop. And he's like, well, it's done now, (laughs) you know? Um, And, uh, that's, that's my two cents on Drake. Um, Deirdre Hall again, just probably, I was just saying the other day, probably one of the, if not the most iconic actors and characters in soap opera history ever. Um, and, that is not without reason because she carries herself with such grace. And if I had to use one word to describe her, I would say thoughtful. Um, She's very, very thoughtful. You can see that she, she puts a lot of thought into the way she speaks to others and the way she handles situations. And not only that, but she's thoughtful in the way that, I wasn't expecting it at all, but we got, we got, you know, a couple weeks ago over the holidays, you and I got a Christmas card from Deirdre handwritten tailored specifically to our, you know, conversations that we've had in our relationship. And it's just just like, how do you, how do you find, how do you do that? You know, like she has so many more people and fans in her life than most actors hope to, you know what I mean? (laughs) But she finds the time to, to write, a note. And that was really special to me and special to Juana. And, you know, another example, the last day before we all left for the holidays, she had cupcakes brought in forever, you know, just very yeah. thoughtful, just. And I think that's very of that generation. You know, I think, I think young people kind of young people like myself and people younger than myself can, can take a lot away from, from, from just, that, that type of um, consideration for others mm-hmm. that maybe we don't necessarily, you know, growing up, learn or, or at least implement the way that, that uh, it used to be implemented.
0: Because people are too busy on TikTok, Carson. They are too
1: busy on TikTok. <laughs> too busy, you know, going to Tulum.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, now Johnny was pretty instantly smitten with Chanel. Tell us about working with your leading lady, Raven Bowens.
1: I hate watching any scene between Raven and I, because she's so good. She, she makes me look bad because she's so talented (laughs) and it drives me nuts. (laughs) Um, She is, uh, she's great. Again, instant, you know, instant chemistry, very, you know, it's always complicated with sometimes having a love interest, especially when you have a wife, you know, who also watches the show and, and Raven respectively has a boyfriend as well. So, you know, I think the first thing that Raven and I kind of talked about after getting acquainted with each other was like, let's go over. I want to, I want to know like ground rules for any intimate scenes that we may be having in the future. Um, and we kind of just kind of laid down the law and, and, um, after that, we've just been really good friends. Like she's my buddy. Like we'll, we we'll, we're constantly shooting texts back and forth about what, a, you know, a tweet that we see about Johnny and Chanel or whatever it is, you know, um, but she is an incredible actress. She's a great friend and I, I really like working with her. I, I'm interested to see what her future holds. As far as her career goes, because she really is like, she's up there as far as the talent level is concerned.
0: Mm hmm. Well, we definitely saw that on display as well as your own in recent scenes where those little newlyweds, it all went crazy. (laughs) Um, crazy. Now, Johnny was the catalyst for the possession story, really, because of the movie that he was making about his uh, mother's life that turned into the possession story. So first of all, tell us about hearing about the possession story. When did you know that Johnny was going to be possessed?
1: And talk about those yellow contacts. Okay. Okay. We'll do all of those things. Um, <laughs> the first time I didn't know that I was going to be the devil until pretty recent, like until, until very recently before I became the devil. Um, I got a call from Marisa. I was sit, I was standing in my kitchen actually talking to Julana and I got a call from Marisa, who is the head of hair and makeup. And this was and we were kind of like in the height of, of Deidra's of Marlena's possession story. Um, and nobody kind of knew what they keep it very under wraps to us. Like we, we don't, I don't know what's going to happen in two weeks. You know what I mean? They keep it very on the down low, even for us. So I get a call from Marisa. She says, Hey, do you wear contacts? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, Marisa, I don't. She was like, okay, cool. Well, um, there's a place. Uh, she gave me the name of the place and the address. She was like, if you could, there's an appointment for you to go in there at 11 on Monday to go get fitted for some. And I was like, Marisa, am I going to be, am I going to be the devil? (laughs) She was like, yeah, yeah, I think you're going to be the devil. Um, it's just going to be for for a while. And I was like, okay, cool. Sounds good. Do you, can you tell me anything else? She was like, no, I can't just make sure you go to your appointment on Monday. (laughs) And, uh, like a week and a half later, I was playing the devil. Wow, amazing, yeah. amazing. And is it fun? I think it's a blast. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's just, you get to do things as an actor because I, I feel like if you, follow, you have to fall in love with your character if you want to do a good job playing it. And so for me, having Johnny being possessed, it's like I can do as an actor pretty much whatever I want. I can treat people however I want. And I can be the bad guy and get to show that side of, of my own craft without the character of Johnny having to take any credit or blame for the, the bad deeds. Um, so it's kind of the best of both worlds. I, I get to have my cake and eat it and eat it too. I kind of get to jump back and forth between good guy and bad guy, which is a really fun challenge. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, tell us about wearing that fabulous red suit um, (laughs) for the big scenes where Johnny dumped Chanel.
1: Yes, those scenes, um, the suit. I am still not convinced as to whether that is a suit made of garment or a suit made of latex. It is so tight. It is so, so tight. Um, The pants, I, I actually was telling... I was telling you guys earlier, um, actually, I think it was before you hopped on, Mara, but I, I was saying that i, I it w- they were so tight that I couldn't actually even bend over and tie my own shoes uh, <laughs> without risking that the pants would rip. And, and uh, Richard in the uh, wardrobe department had to, uh, they had to sew the pockets shut because they were just popping out. So, you know, <laughs> the tight pants um, and the shirt, I couldn't. I couldn't, it was so tight that once I tied the tie, I couldn't get my, my hands up behind my neck. So Dan, we'd have rooms across the hall from each other we had to come over every day that we were shooting in that suit and like flip my collar back over my tie. Oh. And then I'd take a deep breath and I would just hold my breath the whole scene because uh, it was impossible to get air. But oh. Hey, it looks good. Look great. Looks good and that's what, that's what matters. Beauty is pain. That's right.
0: <laughs> I will say when I hopped on, I and I could hear you midstream of that. I was like, "They're talking about the suit." <laughs> I, <don't> wanna, <laughs> I, I had I had little doubt. So, uh, you were in a pretty unique love triangle, quadrangle, possibly whatever it would be with Quinn triangle because of, if we're counting the devil, I guess as a separate entity. But you and your twin. Uh, both have this this thing going on with Chanel. What did you think when you found out that Johnny's twin sister was going to hook up with Chanel after um, Johnny as the devil dumped her?
1: Yeah. Um, I hope I never, ever, 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 ever find myself in a situation like <laughs> this. In um, that would be terrible. But, you know, I think it's it's... Look, it's a fun storyline because it gives... Lindsay and I, a chance to kind of take little chips at each other here and there. And I think that's really fun. Um, I think it, it really adds to the brother-sister relationship. Like I said, I like the dynamic that it creates between Lindsay and myself. And I think it's cool in that it's very unique. I don't think I've ever seen this in a show before. Um, and it's just kind of, it. it's fun. It's just a fun storyline to play because it's so outlandish. And I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of been day's MO, you know, that anything can happen in Salem, really, truly anything. Um, and so I think continuing to push the envelope with this love triangle, as well as, you know, sexual fluidity, mm-hmm. I think it's very, um, I think it's very bold. Agreed.
0: Uh, Well, you already have gotten to do so much since you've joined the show. Um, How would you sum up your day's experience
1: so far? Um, At risk of sounding not exciting, just great. I just, I I don't have, I don't know if I have an awesome word for it, but just phenomenal, incredible, great, exciting, you know? Good. (laughs) That's
0: all (laughs) right. Yeah. So uh, I think a lot of days viewers, ourselves included, have been really impressed with uh, your work and your portrayal thus far. What would you like to say to all of your new fans who are listening to this podcast?
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, it means the world to me that you, first of all, you know, don't fast forward through my scenes. That's a win in itself. But then to have you guys actually like it, it's, it's even better. Um, I, I appreciate every one of you. I hope to connect with each of you in some way, somehow down the line.
0: Well, Carson, this has been so much fun talking and just hearing about all of your fabulous stories and experiences so far. And we look forward to seeing what's up for you in 2022.
1: Yeah, me too. And thank you guys so much for having me on the show. I had, a, I had an incredible time.
0: Well, thanks again, Carson. Have a great day.
1: Thank you. You too.